The wonderful passage we're going to read this morning is to be found in the Pew Bibles on page 1179. It's the letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, page 1179. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Your word is rich. We thank you that your word is light and we thank you that your word brings revelation of who you are. And as we reflect on this chapter now, please would you help us, please help me to focus on what is particularly appropriate to encourage your people here with today. We seek your help in listening as I seek your help in speaking. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the things that slightly surprises me in a way when I look at uh, Philippians is that generally we look at the Philippian church as a success story. You know, it, it's just great. And uh, you go back and you think about the day that Paul arrived in Philippi you know that it was a strategic thing. He didn't just think, what shall I do? There was a man in Macedonia in a dream saying, come over and help us. And out of that, he went to Philippi. And he began preaching the gospel. He began with Lydia, who was having a prayer meeting by the river. And uh, he met this slave girl. And through rather unfortunate circumstances, but God turned it to good, he met the jailer and his family. And these people became the sort of basis, the foundation of the church. And if you, as you probably have, looked into Philippians 1, uh, he uses the phrase about partnership. Uh, these are good friends. This is a church that he really loves. If he thinks of churches that he visits up and down the land, uh, you get the impression Philippi Great, I'm so happy I'm going to Philippi. I know that they're a wonderful bunch of people and uh, 
he talks about the fact that they have given to his ministry, they've supported him, and he says, my God will supply all your need according to his riches in glory. There's a tremendous sense that God has blessed this partnership. But Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus. And just as Jesus in the book of Revelation, in fact, he picks up a number of churches. He doesn't pick up Philippi as such. But what Jesus does when he looks at the churches is that he assesses things absolutely accurately and fairly. And so in other words, Jesus doesn't say you're wonderful, you're marvelous, everything's great. Jesus was also prepared, as we know in those messages in the early chapters of Revelation, Jesus was very prepared to say, this isn't good, this isn't right, this needs to change. And so for all the tremendous uh, partnership, love and fellowship that Paul enjoys with Philippi, he's not going to overlook the fact that there are a few relational issues. Now, I can't tell you the extent of it. Uh, he does talk uh, in the next chapter about grumbling, and I, I guess that can be prevalent in many, many places, not just Philippi. And certainly in chapter 4, he talks about a couple of sisters who really don't seem to be agreeing at all. But he wants to share the fact that what gives him great joy is when people are working in harmony. I wonder what you would describe as something that gives you great joy in the life of the body of Christ. This is what Paul says. He says, make my joy complete. And uh, I ask you the question, what would make your joy complete in terms of the people of God that you move among not simply here in this local church, but in other Christian settings. What would make your joy complete? What would give you a real buzz, as it were, a real sense of this is good, this is right, this is great? And what we see Paul saying, he's saying, what would give me great joy is that out of your relationship with Christ, and he assumed they have, have one, out of your fellowship with Christ, out of your sense of the comfort of God, out of that walk with God, oh, I long to hear that you are of one mind and that you have a humble, serving attitude towards one another and towards the work of the kingdom of God. It's very important, isn't it, to see the priority that Paul has. He's not saying, I wish you had bigger offerings. That would make my joy very complete. He doesn't say, I wish you were greater in numbers. He doesn't say that. What he is saying is, what would make my joy complete would be to see maturity, growth, fellowship, a real sense of working together in the body of Christ. And then, basically, what he does is enter into one of the most wonderful portions of Scripture that one could never give justice to in just a few minutes. But nevertheless, I will seek to keep to time. But the point, the point is this. He says, have this attitude, have this mind among you that was in Christ. This 
is what I'm looking for. Now, we know Paul is a very humble man. He's not saying, you know, that uh, I've got it all together and I can't grow anymore myself. We know that's not what Paul is saying. But he's saying we can look at Jesus and we can see in Jesus a fantastic example of what he wants for us in our relationships. All of our relationships, in our marriages, in our families, in our work, in the church, this is what the Lord is looking for, to have the same attitude that Christ has. And really, uh, some people would refer to this as an early hymn that they would have sung, uh, possibly a creed. Uh, we, we have our creed and uh, it's so valuable. Absolutely, I mean, the truth that's sort of pushed into those few words of that creed we read, it's massive. You could spend weeks and weeks unraveling point by point and you could certainly spend a long time unraveling point by point what Paul is now sharing. But the first thing that he says is that Jesus is God, but he didn't see himself as God that he would not truly identify with men. He is in this place where he will not cease to be God, but he will fully and truly and wholly wrap himself around humanity so that we really, really can see what God is like. Someone said that Christ is the best photograph that God ever had taken. Well, <laughs> you may feel that's a bit of a sort of a unhelpful analogy, but, but what he's simply saying is when you look at Christ, you do see God. But what I like about this passage is the way in which Jesus is saying, when I come to earth, when I'm on the earth, when my ministry grows, when I go out from the synagogue in Nazareth into various other parts, what I'm doing is I am living, I am God, but I'm living as a man. I'm looking to the Holy Spirit to give me wisdom about where to go. I'm looking to the grace of the mercies of God the Father to respond in righteousness to every situation, however irritating, however argumentative people are, I overcome as a man filled with the Holy Spirit. And therefore you cannot turn around and say, oh, it's all right for Jesus. You know, he's, he's God. Well, he is. But you cannot say he had it easy then. Temptations weren't an issue. They, they weren't a problem. They were a problem. But he responded, and as Adam fell, so Jesus did everything that the Father required of him. And therefore, if Christ is in us, which he is by the grace of God, if Christ is in us, we also can say no to sin. We can't say, well, I'm only human. Well, in one way, yes. But you cannot get away with it. You can't wriggle out of the fact that we have the same Holy Spirit that came upon the Lord Jesus. And we therefore have the same ability to say yes to righteousness and to no, and to say no to that which isn't right. And therefore, yes, 
of course, uh, you can then look at lots of things. Can we heal the sick? Well, we will always say, no, I cannot heal the sick. But Jesus in me can still heal the sick. Can I proclaim good news to the poor? Well, out of my own efforts and energy, that's not going to go very far. But Jesus in me is able to reach out and to give me boldness and courage to talk about him just as Jesus spoke about the Father. And therefore, it's, it's important to try to grasp this. It isn't easy, but it's just important to uphold totally that Jesus is God. And yet at the same time, to understand that his humanity put him in the same place as us, and yet he did not sin. And we know that's the massive difference. What we see is that the Bible says he took the nature of a servant. And that's a very important description. Because we know that there are many people who want to be served. They they don't want to be a servant. And we can see people, uh, even some ministries, uh, I, I've been in situations, I, I won't uh, give exact details, but where uh, the minister is kind of waited on hand and foot, as if he's almost a god. Now, English ministers don't have that problem normally, but uh, we, we certainly know that there are some parts there is this great uh, reverence, but Although sometimes that's the people's response, sometimes ministers, so-called preachers of the gospel, are encouraging that. And they're encouraging this subservient attitude. I am the man of God. I am here for you to uh, serve me and lift me up. That isn't how Jesus came across at all, is it? You can shake your head or nod it. But uh, that isn't how Jesus saw it at all, is it? He... He was absolutely committed to servanthood. And we can illustrate that in a number of ways. We think about the way in which uh, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. But it's not just about washing the disciples' feet. There were many ways, and Mark puts it so clearly, the Son of Man came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. If Jesus, who is God, took the role of a servant... There is no task that we can say is beneath us. There may be some tasks that we wouldn't be wise to do because of our age or whatever, but there is nothing we can say, oh no, that's not for me. That's too lowly. No, we can all serve and serve as Jesus served. And the Bible says that he humbled himself One of the things that Jesus knew he was taking on when he came to this earth, he knew that he would taste death. And again, it's not easy to get your head around. Almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, the universe, the stars, the planets, and every now and again people think there's another planet which we haven't yet seen. And all of that, this vastness, this power, this majesty, this glory. 
But Jesus knew that he would die. That was all in the plan that the Father and he talked about before he came to earth. He was obedient to death. Well, we're very grateful because uh, we didn't have a choice. We will one day, all of us will die. But Jesus chose to embrace death in order that when we have our time to die, we sang about it in one of the songs, when my time has come, when it's our time, we can face it with confidence and not with fear and not with anxiety because Jesus has gone through death and he will be there on our behalf. The Bible says, even death on a cross. And again, you know this very well, but it is worth just making the point that the death that Jesus would embrace would be a public death. It would be a shameful death. There would be all of the agonies of the slapping and uh, the blindfolding and the crown of thorns and all of that. Jesus submitted to that. It was all in the plan. Death on the cross. And we are so grateful. We are so grateful because it means that when we see things that are happening in the Ukraine, when we see things happening in our own families, when we hear of prolonged suffering, and when we hear of of awful things, Jesus... Dying on the cross embraced all the sin of the world, every sin laid upon him. And therefore, no one can say he doesn't understand this. He understands every kind of suffering and he went through that. And on the cross, when the father withdraws and he cries, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, the death of the cross is taking on a far greater dimension than just the physical agony which was considerable. Well, very quickly, I I was sharing at the communion service, it's like going down steps, like uh, visiting the dungeon of a castle. As you go down, it gets more and more uh, dark often and uh, maybe... Well, a modern castle, they'd, they'd tidy it up a bit. But generally, you'd begin to have smells and an experience of an environment that's getting worse and worse. But then there's the opposite. There's the steps coming up, the steps coming out. And these are absolutely remarkable. First of all, God has exalted him. I'd love to have said more about the ascension which you celebrated just a few days ago on Thursday. But what is happening, God is saying, I've seen your suffering. I've seen your resurrection. I raised you from the dead. And now, as you come back to heaven, you're going to get the honor and the glory and the adoration and the praise that you deserve. And again, we we made the comment that if the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents, how much more rejoicing there was 
as Jesus was exalted. He had done the Father's will. The Bible says that he's been given the name which is above every name. He is the one who is honoured and adored in heaven and one day at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's a wonderful, exciting moment. The reversal from the suffering, the humiliation, the death, going to the cross, the reversal now of glory. And we already, by the grace of God, rejoice in that. He is our saviour. You know, when someone has gone through a tough time and uh, they begin to emerge, maybe one of your children, and they begin to emerge and, and you're so happy for them. You know, they've gone through whatever and, uh, and it's been so tough, so difficult, so hard. And then you see things start to turn and heaven rejoiced when things turned as Jesus comes back in all his glory. And we wait for the day when Jesus Christ will come again. And already our tongue confesses. That's what you're doing with the creed. It's not just a negative, I'm sorry for my sins. That's absolutely right, absolutely necessary. But we have a confession which says we know who he is. And we are lifting him up. Today, it is our privilege to say we already have a bit of an idea of this. In our hearts, in our spirit, we, we saw what Jesus had suffered and what he went through for us. And now we realize he's not on the cross. Oh yes, the wounds are there because one of the great cries of heaven is, worthy is the lamb that was slain. And therefore the angels, they're probably pretty mystified by it, but they're looking at someone they love and adore, but they're looking at someone who's got marks which he didn't have before. So Paul says, if Jesus handled what was given to him in this incredible way, how much more should we handle one another? What have we really got to complain about when we compare what Jesus went through to save us. Therefore, stop arguing, stop grumbling, stop disagreeing, be of one heart and one mind. Let's get on with making Jesus known before he returns. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, please help us this morning to be those who have hearts that appreciate more and more the steps you took to go down into death, even death of the cross. And help us to rejoice that you are now honoured. You are now given your proper place. No name is above your name. We confess with joy you are Lord. 
help us and even the coming events of the Jubilee weekend. Would you draw people to Jesus? This Jesus who we love, who gave himself for us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We have some prayer.